Well, it's not often on any show you get to um, welcome someone who is the director of an organization that is the recipient of a Nobel Peace Prize. But our next guest is just that. We have one with us tonight. A reminder of the Nobel Peace Prize winners for 2022. The Norwegian Nobel Committee has decided to award the Nobel Peace Prize for 2022 to one individual and two organizations. Human rights advocate Alice Bialyatsky from Belarus. The Russian human rights organization Memorial and the Ukrainian human rights organization Center for Civil Liberties. That last one, as mentioned last month, the Nobel uh, Committee awarded the 2022 prize to one individual and two organizations. That last one, the Center for Civil Liberties, is based in Kiev. All three of those organizations, well, the individual in both organizations, represent civil society in their home countries. Now, we had spoken to the center's director, uh, Alexandra Matvyachuk, on this show before. In the early days of the invasion, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we spoke to her. We spoke to her after the liberation of Bucha about uh, the horrors that were witnessed there uh, and how her organization was trying to document those horrors to try to make sure the evidence was kept for any future trial. And uh, it took a while to catch up with her again because she's been very busy since this Nobel Peace Prize was uh, was awarded. Uh, but they continue to do their work on documenting uh, human rights violations by Russia all the way back to the early to the annexation of Crimea in 2014 and again all the way through to now following the invasion. Uh, it is work that her team continues to carry out with hope that the Peace Prize will only help amplify their efforts. And it comes as Russia continues to target civilian and civilian, civilians and civilian infrastructure inside Ukraine, including in the capital, Kyiv, where uh, Alexandra Matvyachuk continues to do her work. Um, and that's where we caught up with her earlier today, as always, um, as the lights had just gone out, because that happens apparently all the time in Kyiv now. Uh, so joining me is Alexandra Matvyachuk, Ukrainian human rights lawyer, founder and chair of the Center for Civil Liberties, which shared in the 2022 Nobel Peace Prize. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome back. Nice to meet you. Alexandra, tell me just about life in Kyiv right now. I know as we speak, the lights are out. Um, What's it been like the past while, just trying to live there, trying to do your work there? It's a very strange time when you live in total uncertainly and you can plan not even your day but your next several hours after uh, russian shelling on critical civil infrastructure we have problems with light with water with heating with electricity and because of the burden uh, of uh, an energy system the light uh, very often are cut off and now i five minutes uh, before our conversation started, the light disappeared, <laughs> and it was also unpredictable. I'm lucky that I have mobile internet now working, but it's not always the case. How about just for everyone in your organization, and, and it must be tough for them, for their families, um, it's cold, it's like Canada, right? The weather's getting cold now, we're in November. Yes, it's cold, and I have had no heating in my home. Uh, only yesterday, this was repairing, 
But as we as Ukrainians told, we can be with light, we can be with electricity, we can be with water, but we want to be without Russia. And if it's our price, we will pay it because it's temporarily. And we all understand for what we are fighting for. And even these terroristic attacks which Russia imposes against civilians don't push us to surrender. We will never surrender. This is very much part of your work. We look at the attacks on civilians, the attacks on infrastructure, and this very much fits into something that you've been talking about now since we first spoke in February, which is Russia's attacks on civilians. This is these are these are purposeful attacks on the population of Ukraine. This is not a war being fought between soldiers. Yes, but Russia uses war crimes as a method of warfare, and this is a clear tactics. They try to suppress the resistance and occupied the country by the tool which I call the immense pain of civilian population. That's why they provided a lot of suffering to Ukrainian civilians. And now we're reaching the point when Russians are publicly discussed on their TV how better to destroy critical civil infrastructure and to make millions of Ukrainians afraid during the winter. Each hit on civil object is a war crimes. Yeah, and you've pointed out that Russia's done this in other countries and never had to pay for it, and that's part of the problem. Yes, it's culture of impunity. Russia enjoyed for decades uh, impunity when they committed war crimes in Chechnya, in Moldova, in Georgia, in Mali, in Syria, in Libya, and they have never been punished for this. That's why when we as Ukrainians now promote injustice and try to convince the civilized world that this is a time to end the circle of impunity. We are fighting not only for ourselves, we are fighting for past victims and for and trying to prevent a new victims in new countries to emerge. Tell me about the Nobel Peace Prize, because I remember waking up that morning and looking at the groups that had won and realized that one of them was yours, that it was quite, we had spoken before, it was quite remarkable. Were you... Were you were you surprised? Yes, I was hugely surprised because, uh, like, uh, Nobel Prize award, it's something which you never expected when you speak about it. Something which is far from a way of you, and only celebrities can achieve uh, this uh, this award. Also, um, it was very unpredictable because. One week and a half, I received alternative Nobel Peace Prize. That's right. I, like, I have no idea that our team as Center for Civil Liberties can receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Did it, because um, I know that the work that you do, the work that your team does is not glamorous work. It involves going to places like Bucha, documenting crimes. It's difficult, difficult work. Did you feel like it was at least recognition of all the hours you put in trying to hear, make your voices and your cases heard? We have to be uh, very clear. It's a Nobel Peace Prize during the war and during the very bloody war when millions of people are suffering. So it's not like recognition, it's responsibility. This Nobel Peace Prize provides us a unique opportunity to make our voice tangible, and we will use this opportunity. Yeah, how, how would you like to do that? I mean, I know what you've been trying to do is document the many the many crimes committed on Ukrainian soil by Russian troops, um, as well as you know missiles being fired on the country. But it feels like the work that you're documenting, it must be almost an insurmountable task now. There's so much to document. 
we faced with unprecedented amount of war crimes and our national legal system is overloaded. International Criminal Court uh, and their in investigation, it's very essential, but court will limit itself only to several select cases. So ask, I asked myself, who will provide justice for hundreds of thousands of victims of war crimes, who will not be lucky to be selected by International Criminal Court? And this is a question on which our team are working for current moment, because we need to, to fill this accountability gap. Uh, we need to provide an opportunity to each person who was suffered from war crimes, a chance for justice, because war turned people into numbers and only justice returned people name. So that's why we promote the idea of creation of international hybrid tribunal on war crimes, crimes against humanity and genocide, because it's a time to hold Putin, Lukashenko and other war criminals accountable. So what we would need to see is something like a Nuremberg, something along those lines, an international independent um, tribunal to try more than the system in Ukraine or the International Criminal Court is capable of trying? We must go further. What do I mean? Because when I spoke with politicians, with diplomats, with uh, officials from different countries, they still in mindset of Nuremberg trials. Hmm. And what is it Nuremberg trials? It's trials where Nazi war criminals were tried after Nazi regime had collapsed. Mm -hmm. It was in the past century, and it was a very essential step uh, to establish law and justice. But we live in new century, and justice must be independent from the magnitude of Putin regime. We cannot wait. We have to establish international tribunal now and start all preparation to hold Putin, Lukashenko, and other criminals accountable. When you look at the possibility, can there be peace without justice? I guess is the is the, is the you know when we look to the future, one day this war will come to an end, right? It will, but those who've lived through it will, will suffer for it for a long time. And one looks at it and thinks, can there be peace without justice? No, it's impossible uh, because for decades Russia uses war as a method how to achieve their geopolitical interest. And Russia uses war crimes to win this war. So it will not stop this culture of impunity. It will repeat it. And that's why when we promote justice and we say that justice is essential, we are fighting for peace not only in Ukraine, but in the whole our region. A very important point, this war has a very distinct value dimension. And Putin tried to convince not only Ukrainians, but the whole world, that rule of law, democracy, and human rights are fake values because they couldn't protect you during the war. So in order to be honestly answered to this question, we have to show justice. And then we will be able to say, yes, it was a period of temporal law disorder when the whole international system of peace and security lay in ruin and couldn't stop Russian atrocities for years and after large-scale invasion for months. But we fix it, and we hold perpetrators accountable, because justice is essential, and rule of law is working. Because you've been documenting this long before February, you were documenting war crimes back to 2014. 
this war started not in February 2022, but in February 2014. And Center for Civil Liberties was the first human rights organization who sent mobile groups to document war crime in Crimea, in Donetsk and Luhansk region. And for all these eight years, we recorded horrible stories. We recorded human pain. I personally spoke with more than hundreds of people who survived Russian captivity. And they told me how they were beaten, how they were raped, how they were tortured with electricity, how their fingers were cut, and other horrible methods right. of tortures. Well, Alexandra, I was thinking back to, to Maidan, because uh, I was there many years ago now. Um, when you look back at those days, it, it has been an incredible journey for Ukraine over the last nearly a decade now. Do you feel like it's all been worth it? even though you've had to live through some very, very difficult times? We all know for what we are fighting for in this war. We are fighting for freedom in all senses, and freedom is forces. We are fighting for freedom to be an independent country, not Russian colony. We are fighting for freedom to be Ukrainians and to have a chance to develop our culture and our language. We are fighting for freedom to have our democratic choice like a right to build a country where justice is independent, government is accountable, rights of everybody are protected, and police don't kill independent journalists. You've been traveling a lot of late. Um, do you feel like your message is being heard elsewhere? I must admit that this call for justice is very universal and have no limitation in state borders. Because when you tell about horrible stories which were recorded, this pain is very understandable regardless of citizenship, regardless of age, of sex, of, of ideology, of religion. It's a very universal thing. And proper response to these war crimes is also very universal. That's why it's not only our like demand of Center for Civil Liberties and not demand only of Ukrainian civil society and Ukrainians, at all, uh, in general, it's it's a very common demand of a lot of people in the world. And so, Alexandra, you and your team will continue your work through the power outages and the heating outages and so on. Your your everyone is 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 still committed and and uh, eager to, to get what needs to be done, regardless of how uncomfortable it may be right now. It's a tough time, uh, but okay. I I I always try to find something positive. One very important positive things which we as Ukrainians obtained during this experience to live in total uncertainty is very high level of adaptivity. Because when you couldn't plan even your next hours, you have very to be very creative to make things done. And now we obtain new skills, which is very valid in, in, in our modern world. It's certainly Alexander Matvichuk. Uh, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you.